0: It's the case that consumed the nation in 2019 before we knew what COVID even meant. It's about a family from a picturesque town in Connecticut that was torn apart by the disappearance of the matriarch. This is the disappearance of Jennifer Farber-Doulos. We are your hosts, Helen Allen. And Sherry Ferreira. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday.
1: But whenever someone says, like, matriarch or patriarch, I'm like, oh, you regal bitch.
0: Thank you. Regal. Thank you. <laughs> Thank I you. love that As intro. As I was saying it, I was like, this is gold, baby. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I, loved so... it.
1: I loved it. <laughs> Okay.
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> so let's get right into it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jennifer because she was a badass. I mean. I mean. <laughs> it goes without saying. Truly. The life that she built. But so, we're going to talk about it a little bit. She was a 55-year-old mother, a friend, and she was a great writer. Primarily, though, she was a mom. Because of this, a lot of her writing ended up being about that. She started a blog which detailed, like, the trials and tribulations of being a mother and a wife, but also, like, the really beautiful parts of it. And the blog is just very wholesome. You can still kind of find parts of it, but a lot of it has been taken down. But Anyway, Jennifer grew up very well off. As Dateline would put it, she was, quote, raised with the comforts of Wall Street money. Okay. And I was like, Jennifer. So she was, she was comfy. Yeah. She had cushions. She okay. was comfy. She met Fotis Dulos, her husband, in college at Brown University, but they were actually just acquaintances then. She then attended New York University's art school and got a master's in writing, and then years later, she met Fotis as at the Aspen airport. And as she wrote in her blog, quote, serendipity cast its spell. So let's move forward to the day of Jennifer being reported missing. Around 8 a.m. on May 24th, 2019, Jennifer Dulos dropped her kids off at New Canaan Country School, and by 8.05 a.m., she was seen on a neighbor's security camera returning home. The house is literally around the corner from the school, so it's, like, a three-minute drive. I was going to say, Miss Speedy over here, like... <laughs> I... As soon as I was like, a five-minute... Ga- what? <laughs> so, I Googled it immediately. Google nice. Maps does me so many services during oh. these podcasts. But, yeah, so... It's it's literally a three-minute drive, so she just took her time. She made apparently, it like two yeah. yeah. So, um, she actually had two appointments in New York City that day, and she missed both of them, which made her friends pretty worried. Okay, do we know what these appointments were for, or were they just like important enough um, that if she
1: didn't go, okay, Miss Nosy? I
0: don't I'm sorry. Know, I'm <laughs> I truly don't know what the appointments I know, were. Just
1: the start of it is giving me a lot of like. It remi- it's really reminiscent of Shanann Watts, of, yeah. like, the blogger and then Which the Which we haven't covered yet, but
0: we plan to um, this month, so yes. that'll be fun. I don't know the exact appointments, but, yes, she is just like Shanann Watts in the sense that she is reliable. So when she didn't show up for those appointments, people were like, okay, pump the brakes, what's going on? You know? Okay. Lauren, um, her live nanny, I... Th- I Actually, don't think she lives there. I don't know why I said that. Okay, that's it just like was a thing I said, and I regret it.
1: You just kept remembering um, the comfy Wall Street. You're like, she yeah, lives like, there. Living nanny.
0: What are you talking about, Helen? Maybe she lives there. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. She was the nanny. Anyway, was. she showed up at 1130 30 that day, and she was kind of like shocked to see Jennifer's Range Rover was still in the garage because Jennifer had told her that she was going to take that car instead of her Suburban, which she had, and the Suburban was not in the garage. But because of this and the missing doctor's appointments, two friends ended up reporting Jennifer missing. Um, Detectives moved fast on this. I don't know if it's because they were responding to a very wealthy crime or (laughs) like you know what I mean I feel like it's kind of sad and I'm so glad that detectives moved fast on this one but I wish I could say that every single time yeah it's like you kind
1: of wish that same energy was carried throughout but right
0: but at the same time though I don't know how much it has to do with wealth so much as I think these detectives were bored and that does have to do with wealth because their town is like very quote safe yeah for those that you don't for those of you that
1: don't know, New Canaan, Connecticut is like
0: bougie, yeah, bougie <laughs> and well. safe and like it's a nice town. So yeah. anyway, detectives moved fast. And so they get to the house around 7 p.m. and Jennifer's still not home. So Lauren lets them in and lets them begin a search. Unfortunately, police find blood in her garage, on the floor, a wall, and the exterior of the Range Rover, which you remember was parked inside. So police get to work that night and then the next day. Of course, after learning about Jennifer's disappearance, the first thing police do is ask around. And who is the first person that the finger is always pointed to in situations like this? Okay, always the husband, right? Right, the husband, the father, it's always that guy. Always. So where do police go? The husband. Photos do But also, okay, wait, hate to like break
1: no no you go off. off but what was the nanny doing did she not see the blood like did she leave
0: earlier some shit well so i'll tell you what this is in my notes later but let's just get it out of the way now while you're wondering so okay. you don't spend the whole episode wondering because yeah, sometimes like, i listen to podcasts where they the don't nanny? answer my question and then i'm like wait i wasn't listening to the last 10 minutes because i was focusing on what the hell is that so anyway the nanny d- did her due diligence she saw the range rover she didn't see any blood but police are able to tell if blood was cleaned up oh, so okay. from like the naked eye from just like a person who works there i don't I don't think she noticed it but then the police went in and they did a search knowing that she was missing and that's why it. i think it, it was a cleaned up situation but they were able to tell because okay. you know yeah they have
1: <laughs> magic i don't know if they just do what they do they do it
0: and they do it so much better than we would right. okay. <laughs> so, so not
1: the nanny looking at the husband
0: yes so now yeah they're on track to check out photos Dulos. now at this time photos and inge- photo his name is so hard to pronounce. I always want to say photos. Photos? Me too. I'm I, like photos. Because it's Fotis Dulos, but that makes me want to say photos. <laughs> That's a lot of os. Just ignore me. Fotis Dulos and Jennifer Farber Dulos were actually estranged at the time. Red flag number one. <laughs> I mean yeah. Every time a police feel a police officer in an investigation finds out that there's a divorce happening, I mean it just ups the ante. Yeah. Like there's motive now. So let me tell you a little bit about FOTUS. FOTUS did not come from money the way that Jennifer did. He actually immigrated from Greece and then became a financial consultant after graduating college. Now, before I mentioned how he reconnected with Jennifer, just want to note that while that sounded like an extremely beautiful love story the way that Jennifer told it in her blog, at the time, Fotis was actually already married to his first wife. Now, it's unclear when the relationships really took place or if there was overlap, which yeah. I'm side eyeing the overlap a little bit. But in July 2004, Fotis got divorced, and by August 2004, he married Jennifer. So, you know,
1: it's that's weird nothing about
0: Jennifer yeah. in my eyes, but it tells me a little bit about who Fotis is. Yes. So, Fotis also developed a company called Ford Group which was basically, like, it would build and flip, like, very upscale homes. Um, cool. And beginning in 2004, Jennifer's father actually started funding Fotus's build. So he would give him money to fe- essentially, like, flip the house, and then Fotis would pay him back after the home was sold. In 2015, Jennifer's father lent Fotis close to $2 million, and after the home sold, Fotis only paid back 500000 of it. Just keep that in your pocket for a little bit. Okay,
1: I'll, like, lower my eyebrows from my hairline. Yeah, just... I'm, like, $2 million, but then I put it into perspective. I'm, like, new canon. All right, they can relax.
0: Yeah, and, like, also, like, Wall Street money, remember? Right. Yeah. <laughs> As the <line> yeah. said. <laughs> so, okay. At this point, the reason that Fotis and Jennifer were getting divorced was because Fotis actually had a new girlfriend. I mean, this man don't quit. No, yeah. I mean... Like the first time it happened, it's like, oh, okay, like not cool, Fotis, but let's get. But now it's like, oh. It's this seems like again. a pattern. Fotis, come on, yeah. come on. His girlfriend's name is Michelle Traconis. She is a 44 year old international businesswoman working at an Argentinian ski resort, which I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, the gig that of sentence a lifetime. like, hit me in the face. Like, I was like, oh, God, I'm bored. <laughs> 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 I- I mean, I'm not 44 yet, and I hope when I am, I'm an international businesswoman, (laughs) but you know I won't be. (laughs) Anyway, Jennifer stayed with Fotis for a few months, actually, after finding out that he was having an affair with Michelle. But then she realized that it was just not fixable. And eventually she actually packed her bags and left with the five kids that they had. Now she did not tell Fotis that she was going to be doing this, and because of this, Fotis ended up reporting it to the police. So we do have like log of that. Okay. Now on began a divorce and custody battle unlike any other. In the court documents, Jennifer actually talks about being frightened of him. She mentioned how he bought a gun, and then when she asked why, he said it was, quote, for protection. She also mentioned that he talked about, like, very sick revenge fantasies from his prior marriage. So, already we're seeing that, like, there's a lot of turmoil here. Okay, do we know how long they were married for? I think it said about 13 years, but let's put it, so 2004 till 2017, I'm not doing that math right now, but 2017, 13, right? 13, yeah, 13. Okay, okay, I'm right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, 13 damn, years. I think you
1: know a person. I know, and then to just have <clears throat> this flip,
0: right? And like, I mean, you never know what it's like to be in a relationship, so I won't be speaking on their specific relationship, but. I was very lucky to grow up, and you two, with two parents that are very in love. And my mom, like, always said, like, if someone is leaving you for, or if someone is leaving someone else for you, they will do that to to you. You You know what I mean? And so it's just so sad to me because I feel like Jennifer probably thought, like, no, this is it. Like, she said it was serendipity. She was probably like, you know what? He is with someone else, but we are made to be with each other. And unfortunately, he showed who he is the second time, mm. just the same. So now let's get back to the police investigation. Now, on a neighbor's security camera. Well, actually, let me just stop myself right there. Isn't it so nice to talk about security cameras at work? Oh, every time. And I we hear say it. this every time, like a camera is working. We're like, Hallelujah! But, but it's, I mean, it, it's. It really pays off here that they lived in a wealthy place with a lot of people that needed cameras to track their shit. Good. <laughs> so Jennifer's Suburban was seen leaving around 1025 the morning of May 24th, the day she went missing. Now, the police believe that Fotis was driving it with her body inside. Now, I think it's important to say that so Fotis's house is in Farmington, which is northern Connecticut. It's kind of near Hartford. Um, and then Jennifer's house, which she is renting, um, is in New Canaan, which is southern Connecticut in Fairfield County.
1: Okay, So at this point, they're not even like living together. They're like completely. No,
0: yes, they are. Co- he's actually living with his girlfriend, Michelle Traconis, and her daughter. So they have moved into what was Jennifer's home with him. And Jennifer has moved out. Um, oh, God. I guess I should have said that sooner, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so he moved his girlfriend right on it um, and her kid. And then, like, his five kids were no, like, I mean, after Jennifer. building his
1: business, on like her.
0: Yeah. On her father's penny. Yep. What a mm-hmm. dick. Yep. Police ended up searching like numerous properties like in and around Farmington, mostly like the properties that he built because they were like, well, where the hell is she? So investigators didn't really have any success with that, but they believe that he borrowed a truck from a coworker. And then he parked it in a secluded area and then used, and I quote, a vintage French bicycle he owned to ride the remaining distance to his estranged wife's home where he killed her. Now, this is what the police are thinking. Because the suburban that she had driven the kids to school in, he was later found at the side of the road near Waveney Park in New Canaan, just over three miles away from her home. There are no cameras at Waveney Park. Residential surveillance camera footage, however, from the street about a mile or so from Jennifer's home... Shows quote, an individual dressed in a hooded sweatshirt and dark clothing riding a bike consistent with Dulos's bike towards Jennifer's residence. I
1: don't know why I'm picturing him on like one of those huge one wheels, like in cartoon, just a riding a unicycle,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because he's so French and that's the first thing my uh, mind goes to. Like, this or dick. like, oh,
0: yeah, no, I'm oh my god, I don't know why I have this like nightmare of photos of Dulos on like a tandem bicycle, but like, I just <laughs> with who <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, by himself it's like an image I know (laughs) like I don't know I don't know I can't explain it so anyway um I love where our minds went (laughs) (laughs) I just love how my mind went to a unicycle and I'm like like, what who's with him on it you can't be on a tandem bicycle by yourself I guess you can but it would be hard photographs of Fotis's bike actually matched the description of the one seen at Jennifer's house also So then, helicopters were used to look for signs of Jennifer, as well as canine units and divers. There had been no activity on her credit cards and no calls made from her cell phone as of May 24th. Michelle, the girlfriend, says that Fotis and her were, quote, intimate in the shower around 8.15, and then she left for some errands. She says that when she got back, Fotis was with his friend and lawyer, Kent Mawinney. Mawinney? Mawinney. We're going to go with Mawinney. Okay. Um, however, New Canaan police have reason to think otherwise. Remember how there were no ca- cameras at Waveney Park? Yeah. Well, there happened to be a school bus driving by that actually had cameras on it. Fuck yes! And um, it actually captured a truck parked at Waveney Park around the time that Jennifer went missing, and then the truck leaves around the time that it would make sense for the killer to leave. Now, of course, when the police talked to Fotis, they asked him for his cell phone to track him. His phone pinged in Hartford the night that Jennifer disappeared, so they shifted their search to there. According to arrest warrants, oh, <laughs> I don't even want to replay that or
1: try to repeat. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't me? even know if you said a West. Oh, West the warrants. West the
0: Walmans. <laughs> According to arrest warrants, police met with Fotis Dulos the next day. Allegedly, Fotis was traveling to Hartford on the exact same street where the blood-stained clothing and cleanup supplies were found. They also found a FedEx box containing license plates that police traced back to a 2007 suburban belonging to Fotis Dulos. According to court documents, the plates had been altered to change the tag number. So, one of the warrants actually states that, C4, which is the surveillance camera in Hartford that they used, um, documented a black Ford Raptor pickup truck stopping at over 30 locations along a more than four mile stretch of Albany Avenue between Biltmore and Edward Streets. Turns out the Raptor truck was his. Well, it was actually an employee's of his, which he had taken it from the employee. And as soon as the employee found out what the whole deal was, he was like, police, it wasn't me. He took my truck, I swear. Oh Good. Yeah, he just came right forward and cleaned up squeal, squeal. the truck. <laughs> say it, say it. He was like, no, 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 not mine. I'm not getting involved. I know better. <laughs> the license plates matched. The sticker on the back of the truck matched. And there was also a spot on the bumper that had a different color on it. And that also matched. According to court documents, a man matching the description of Photos Dulos was actually seen getting out of the truck and tossing out this these evidence that police found. Um, yeah, and like the her some, clothes and stuff? Yes. Okay. And in some footage, apparently you could see bloodstains on the items being tossed out. Also on camera, a woman matching the description of his girlfriend, Michelle, is seen leaning out the passenger window. Hmm. Now, the state state crime lab actually came back with the results from these garbage bags, and inside were bloodstained clothes um jennifer's favorite vineyard vines shirt and a bra so connecticut i love it i know i guess like i don't know something that i read was like it was her favorite thing to wear and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) that just like i don't know it makes it hurt more that it was like a shirt she really loved i don't know it's it does it does um sponges and mops with jennifer's blood were also recovered they also came back with the results of the blood tests from jennifer's home. The blood in the garage was a match to Jennifer, and there was also blood on the kitchen faucet, which was found to belong to Fotis Dulos. So, of course, police immediately moved to arrest Fotis and Michelle. Both of them plead not guilty to a $500,000 bond um, each, and Michelle was able to put up the money the same day. Fotis, however, was not. Apparently, he was millions of dollars in debt. I mean, it's
1: all, like... And obviously this case is ongoing, so we do, like, tread a little lighter. But it's, like, all these telltale signs of, like...
0: Chaos and and turmoil. Chaos and and how
1: these, like, quote, family men, like, break, like, finances. like
0: Right, we've seen this before. We've seen it with so many different, like, unfortunate cases that, you know, money can make somebody really not themselves. So around all of this... Jennifer's mom was actually filing a civil suit to get back the money that Jennifer's parents were owed. As she fucking should. Right. By this point, her father had passed away, but Fotis still owed them about $1.5 million. One week later, Fotis posted bond. Now, after Michelle posted bond, she was seen the day, the next day leading police inside and around Fotis' house in Farmington, which was now being moved into foreclosure because of Jennifer's badass mother's lawsuit. Good. <laughs> All of this is going on, and the Hartford Current actually reports that a knife with blood on it and a bloody pillow were found by a man on the street and then sold. Um, but police won't comment on this, so I think it's worth saying, but I don't want to go anywhere with it, really. I just wanted to That's note so it. so fucking weird. I know. Now, at this point, it's really not, like, a case of nobody, no crime, you know? Like, because there's so much blood that the police are able to say that she likely is dead from all of the injuries. And, like, we saw this in the Hella Crafts case, which does take place in Connecticut as well. That was actually the first murder trial that was done in Connecticut with no body. And here, like, they are saying, the attorneys are saying, like, we could do the same because the medical examiner said, like, it is very, very, very likely that she is dead after all of those injuries and all of that blood. The same day that Fotis is arrested, Kent Mawinney is too. Wait, is that the lawyer? Right. Remember that Michelle saw them together? Shady! Okay, go. So let's talk about (laughs) Kent Mawinney. Arrest warrants detail how investigators believe that he attempted to create an alibi for Dulos on the morning of the disappearance. Kent was also connected with this East Granby gun club where witnesses told investigators that they found a, quote, human grave leading up to the disappearance according to an arrest warrant. Now, I want to get into a little bit about this because it's honestly so bananas. Depending on the source that you see, Kent founded this East Granby Gun gun Club. Not a good-looking Connecticut, really. Yeah, I mean, like, come (laughs) on. So he was, like, an active member of it, and then he kind of stopped being one. And a few months before Jennifer's disappearance, he was actually inquiring about how he could join again or, like, become involved. Then people around the, like, campus of it, I guess, like, found this kind of, like, shallow grave. And essentially, they found that, they found tarp, and they found lime, which they were quick to be like, oh, my God, this is a human grave, and the lime is to dispose of a body. And I'm like, who are they, and can they come on our podcast? please. (laughs) So investigators wrote in the arrest warrant that the hole was later covered up and no remains were actually found at the site just paranoid people like us. I mean, but also like maybe it's because they reported it early enough that you no know, remains were there. You know. Mawini's mm-hmm. cell phone <laughs> data, which led police to believe that he met with Fotis on May 23rd and 24th, which were the day and the day after Jennifer went missing also showed him in the vicinity of the hunting club March 29th, around the time that he asked how to gain access to the property from the people that were, like, running it now. there. And again, his cell phone pinged there May 31st, a week after Jennifer vanished. Investigators from New Canaan and state troopers took canine units out to this hunting club where they found the fill-in hole, and the men had told them all about it, the Warren says. The hole was dug up, but the dogs found no human remains, like I said. Also, I just want to side note this bitch because I don't know, like (laughs) I whether I don't know how much he really had to do with all of this, but he was due in court for domestic violence stuff. So, I mean, not a great guy. Doesn't
1: seem like a great guy. Yeah.
0: Just like, you know, a lot of stuff to keep in mind and think about. Um, Kent also briefly eluded state police on January 7th, 2020, as they sought to take him into custody. He was later then apprehended at gunpoint during a Tolland traffic stop. So they got the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, a doozy. I mean, let's get to the court proceedings. Fotis's attorney, who is absolutely garbage, um, he represented Alex Jones. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you, but it's he basically funny. claimed that the Sandy Hook shooting was oh, a conspiracy. He is human trash, and so is his attorney. Um, and, honestly, this attorney, I think, being the type of person that he is, feeds off of being a name. And, I'm, and so I'm not even going to say it. I'm just going to yeah. call him Fotis's attorney. <laughs> like, I'm petty. He, being the absolute trash that he is, wants to argue that Jennifer is carrying out the Gone Girl plot. This book by Gillian I'm, Flynn and then oh my later God, wait. a movie I remember. with Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. <laughs>
1: Such a random. Appearance I love it. For Neil. I love Neil Patrick Harris. No, but when I first was hearing about this case break, I heard that a lot that it was like being yeah like theorized. modern. It's
0: like the Gone Girl case, yeah. and here's my <sighs> thoughts on that. I think that is a sexist ass way to say my client probably did it, but let's move all of the attention to something else that's a little bit shinier, because everybody loves like oh my god, it was based off of that scary book. But it's sexist because how many movies exist of the husband who killed his wife because of money? I'm sorry, but if we're going to claim that she's carrying out a Gone Girl plot, can't we claim that he's carrying out every Every other other movie plot?
1: And also every, like, case ever? Ever! Ever. a lot of
0: times... I'm sorry, but, like, no. Absolutely not. That is not a valid argument. But I
1: also think it's very, like, in his... Ballpark to do that because he likes to take on these sorts of cases. So I can imagine he's like a freaking dodo. Well, he said
0: on Dateline he was like, "Who better to represent him?" I'm like, (laughs) just human garbage. I don't know. He also said that he could explain the blood in Jennifer's home, like, Fotis's blood in Jennifer's home, by saying that Fotis was in the house days before Jennifer disappeared. And I'm, like, doing what? Yard work? And he cut his finger? What do you mean? Yeah. And it was clearly, like, enough blood to be found. So it wasn't, like, a paper cut or something. No, you can't just be like, blood. yeah. Like, you know? Michelle's attorneys, well, she has, like, this kind of statement on... I'll, I'll, I'll get to it a little bit later, but her attorneys kind of focused on the fact that that um, warrant had said that there were 30 stops when they were in Hartford dropping off the bags. Okay. Um, that was actually a typo, I think. I don't really know exactly how it happened, but they're, they're, they said basically, like, yes, 30 is not true. It was probably three, and okay. somebody typed 30, but... Whether it was three or 30, they were there and the evidence has her blood on it. So I'm like, I don't really care how many times they stopped. I feel like these people are still guilty. Yeah, like you're there. You're really digging into the nitty gritty to try to. Yeah, and like to try to. And like her attorney was like, I don't really think that she would have been arrested based off of that arrest warrant that said the 30 stops if it said three. And I'm like. 30 stops or three stops, they found Jennifer's blood in the bags that they were disposing. So I don't really feel like that's true, but whatever. I'm not an attorney, so. (laughs) Fotis actually sat down with Dateline and said when he was asked about the divorce, quote, Nothing went catastrophically wrong. It's just people sometimes grow apart, and I'm not putting the blame on her or me. It just happened. Okay, Fotis. I know that you're very used to quote growing apart from people because this is now the third time you've done it. And let me tell you, I've heard that he had a girlfriend after Michelle. So, it's just, oh you my know. god, <laughs> I don't know. This guy's busy, busy. <laughs> but first of all, we've the the divorce court records were like like people got a hold of them and jennifer was freaked out by him she was scared for her life i don't really think that that sounds like nothing catastrophically wrong happened and on top of that when when he asked if it got settled he said quote it was going to be an amicable divorce and then one day she just took the children and disappeared she hired bodyguards and ran to new york and got a restraining order sounds like a woman in danger to me I n- it does it not sound like, like it was going to be an amicable divorce if she had to get a bodyguard. And it doesn't sound like an amicable, di- uh, nothing catastrophically went wrong if she needed a restraining order. It sounds
1: like she needed protection from the very person claiming that she didn't need it.
0: Exactly. Like. Like, okay. I, I, like, all the evidence is here, Photos. Stop gaslighting me. Literally. <laughs> i can see that it was catastrophically wrong Please. i'm looking at the evidence oh, his attorney also claimed that you know the garbage man mm-hmm. um he claimed that the timeline <laughs> is too... <laughs> i'm just so mad at him i just can't alex jones i if i ever get him let me at him yeah, let me at you him. can't see me putting up my fist but i am Anyway, this attorney claimed that the timeline was too thin and that, like, Fotis has an alibi and that the way that he did it and where he was seen at home or whatever, it just wouldn't have worked. And then the da- in Dateline, he- he's asked, like, okay, like, the timeline is thin, but is it physically possible? And he's like, it is, but it's not likely. And it's like, so it is. So it's <laughs> yes. possible. So it's physically possible. Okay, cool. That's all I needed to know.
1: And also, wasn't that park only three miles away?
0: Like, it's really, he so wasn't driving miles and miles and it's miles. It's not, like,
1: unimaginable that he could have done that Right, before.
0: and I'm sorry, have you ever heard of going above the speed limit? <laughs> and do it every day. Like, every not day. me, not me. <laughs> I drive like a grandma. <laughs> Fotis Dulos died by suicide in January 2020 while facing murder, kidnapping, and other charges in the case. He left a note saying that neither Kent or the girlfriend Michelle had anything to do with it. Quote If you are reading this, I am no more. I refuse to spend even another hour more in jail for something I had nothing to do with. Enough is enough. If it takes my head to end this, so be it. Now, this suicide note could be one of two things. He is a man who is used to wealth and comfort and jail would have broken him or he's guilty or both. I I mean, truly, it's either one of
1: those. And it's just, I don't know, it's so hard. But I like to think about it as, like, his kids. Yeah. Their kids. Right. Like, they had a whole family together and to face the tragedy of losing a mother and all this confusion and then for their well, dad. Well, to, to-, to
0: start, their parents were getting divorced then they lose their mother, then they lose their father, and then to know, like, not only did they lose their mom, but it was probably because of their father, and then they lose their father on top of all of that, it's like, I cannot even wrap my head around how these poor babies are dealing with it. So much grief. Police believe that Photos Dulos was lying in wait for his estranged wife at her New Canaan home after she dropped off their five children at school around 8 a.m. on May 24, 2019. Investigators said that Jennifer Dulos was a victim of, quote, of serious physical assault in the garage of her home. The state's chief medical examiner determined that she suffered wounds that were not survivable without immediate medical attention. Their five children are now living with Jennifer's mother. Kent Mawinney, one of the two remaining defendants charged in the disappearance of Jennifer Dulos, will have all the court hearings put off indefinitely after a judge put the case on the trial list. Stamford Judge John F. Blowy ordered the move during a brief hearing after months of continuations in the case. Mowinney, who has pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to commit murder, remains free, on a $246,000 bond. Michelle is also remaining steady that she was just at the wrong place at the wrong time and she had no idea what Fotis was doing. Quote, Whether or not Fotis Doulos was capable of doing the things the police and prosecutors accused him of doing, I do not know. But based on what I have learned in the last year, I think it was a mistake to have trusted him. She also said to the police that, when he was disposing of the bags, she had no idea what it was. And when he got the truck cleaned, he had said it was because of a coffee stain. Oh, so she admits to being in the vehicle. So essentially, yeah. And, I mean, and if she's, she's just that, that's... Talking circles on what she knows, I think she feels like she's in too deep or she, she, she had a hand in it. And either way, you know, Jennifer deserves the justice... And I don't care how cushy Michelle's life is, she should come forward with everything she knows. So it kind of leads me to like a closing question, which is something we're going to try to like incorporate a little bit more just to get our real opinions on the case and to talk a little bit more and make things more worthwhile. Um, But like, do you think that money makes people monsters? Or do you feel like People who are predisposed to be monsters this way just, you know, come out with it when money is involved.
1: I think obviously both are true. But if I had to side with one, I'd say that people are predisposed to it more. And then once they get the wealth, they have that power to do so.
0: Right. I know. Because when I was reading this case, I was like... I wonder if, like, if Photos Dulos was still in Greece and did not have a lot of money, if he ever would have had the drive to, like, divorce for money, to potentially kill for money. I just don't know what to think. And, and I don't want to speak positively of him in the sense that, you know, he likely he did do this according to police. Um... But his friends and family were like, that's not who he is. And so I wonder if money just got the best of him or the lack of money because he seemed well and happy until he was in debt.
1: I mean, I like I said before, these, quote, family men get into these like financial problems and then it's always zero to a 100.
0: Right. It's like the classic family annihilator thing is that once there is stress about money, they break. Exactly. And so I just think. I, I think money is a lot of
1: problems in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, it, it just
0: fucks shit up. Like, a <laughs> lot. I mean, it really does. It's true. I know. Thanks for listening. You can catch us on Instagram at The Chalkline Pod, Twitter at The Chalkline Pod, and follow along with our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.